Want to drive greater success in social commerce? With Deloitte's latest creator economy research, you can. After surveying over 500 creators and 500 brands, our insights are helping CMOs and marketing teams harness the power of content creators. And not only that, but how to do it well. See for yourself by visiting cmo.deloitte.com today. What's the first brand that you remember having an impact on you, Vince, as a young guy? When I think back, you know, the, the first image that popped up was Fruit Loops and Toucan Sam. <laughs> and so I think that that brand, you know, one tasty, you know, Fruit Loop cereal. But I would remember going to the store and in those days, the private labels were all in black and white packages. But Fruit Loops was the opposite. It was colorful. It had the, you know, the the character that you fell in love with from the commercials. And, and so I made that connection between commercial and package and store. And I think that that that's what was probably probably one of my first imprints with brand management, even though I knew nothing about that phrase, but just connecting. I saw something on television. It's on the package that I'm using all the time. And it's, and it's in the store. And that, that's, uh, that's the same kind of triangle we have now. Hi, I'm Jim Stengel, and I help major brands find their purpose and activate it, and the profits follow. For seven years, I was the global marketing officer for Procter & Gamble, where I oversaw the marketing of hundreds of brands. You may not know it, but the CMOs, the chief marketing officers of all of your favorite brands are trying to connect you with your favorite products and services through purpose. And on this show, I delve into how they do it. Today, my guest on the CMO podcast is my friend, Vince Hudson. He's the senior vice president of global brand strategy and marketing operations at the $47 billion multinational financial services company, American Express. Vince's career includes leadership positions at many iconic companies. P&G for 21 years, where I first met Vince, and then Samsung, Diageo, BET Viacom, and now the 170-year-old American Express, who, by the way, accounts for about 25% of credit card transactions in the U.S., and is, of course, a tireless advocate for small businesses. Vince has been a standout throughout his career. He was named a marketing director at P&G before the age of 30 and was selected for Ad Age's prestigious 40 Under 40 Award. Vince has worked on brands all over the world, but got his start in life in Louisiana. Vince is a jazz musician. He actually played in a band at his alma mater, Dillard University, and he's a dad of three girls. This is my conversation with Vince Hudson. Vince, welcome to the CMO Podcast. We are recording this podcast during Halloween week, and I know you have three young daughters. So what the heck are they doing this year during Trick or Treat? Well, you know, we're, we these days you have to figure out how you're going to interact with others very carefully. <laughs> so uh, what they're, they're going to dress up. Uh, so I think we have, my daughters are five, seven, and nine. And one's going to be an eagle. One's going to be a character from Disney's Descendants, which I've watched so many episodes <laughs> of. Uh, it requires, a, a, I think, a colored streak of hair. So we're going to figure out how, to, how, how we're going to do that in a way that's non-damaging. And I think the last one's going to, oh, yes, the, 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 my baby girl is going to be a cheetah. Because we've been watching the new Disney version of Lion King. Uh, but the the series, and so uh, she's been into cheetahs lately. So we're going to go and have uh, kind of social distanced uh, candy gathering. 
So very good. So you're obviously a very avid Disney Plus customer. I'm getting that from this conversation. Very avid Disney Plus, Disney, all things Disney. I'm so glad that Disney Plus is out because the just keeping up with the DVDs and which DVD is in the minivan. So events, trick or treating is you know one of the many things that have changed in all of our lives. So I'd like you to share what's the biggest thing since March in your personal life and your professional life that has changed. I'd say the personal life uh it's really the in the integration into the day-to-day of kind of the household because i was typically up commuting into you know downtown new york city uh you know i would see them a bit as they were getting re- dressed and then i'd see them when i come home just in time for my dinner which probably was the ending of their dinner and and now i'm cooking breakfast and we have uh, you know, each daughter has distinct you know, needs for breakfast. One likes egg whites, one likes the full eggs, one just likes, you know, oatmeal with no eggs. So it's, uh, it's, you know, it's, I'm, I'm doing the cooking now, you know, I'm, I'm the breakfast chef. And so it's a, it's a, it's a great, it's a great way to just like be with your family in the moment, uh, which I had, didn't have a chance to do before because I was commuting. So that's been the biggest shift. I'm, and, and my wife is smiling that I'm really, you know, like now I see all the stuff that <laughs> kind of goes on uh, because she's working from home uh, when I'm in the office. So it's just been it's been great just connecting with the family in a whole new way. And from my business side, uh, it's really just uh, nonstop. It's just I have a very diverse team uh, at, at MX with the areas of marketing that I that I am responsible for. And so it's just keeping in touch with people that you're not physically around. We were all in one on one side of one floor and I could stop by and engage with each one. And now I'm scheduling uh, virtual coffee chats because I, I still have that need to kind of engage and, and, and see what people are thinking. Marketing is not linear. You know, as you know, you, you get ideas from everywhere. Um, and so cr- trying to get that collaboration that happens by proximity in a virtual world has been the biggest challenge. So we're trying to compensate that, compensate for that in, in, in uh, different ways. You're trying to recreate the serendipity, which is hard, but I mean, we have to do it. Yes. I mean, how many ideas that, uh, that have changed businesses trajectories were because you were walking down a hall and say, Hey, let me run something by you. Right. I got <laughs> plenty of those and, and we need that in, especially in our field. Yeah. I told our audience in the introduction that we go way back. You began your career 10 years after I did. You stayed at P&G 21 years. I stayed 25. We worked on some of the same brands, CoverGirl being one. Yes. We both worked internationally. But one difference in our experience is that you met your wife at (laughs) P&G. So there's always a story, Vince, with office romances. So could we hear yours? So. Ours is a is a twisted tale. <laughs> so they all are twists and turns, right? So we actually met before I uh, before she got to P and G. We were, but we met while I was at the Essence Music Festival, and uh, we were participating doing market research, of course, right? <laughs> I was down with I think the brand at that point was White Strips, uh, and we met at Essence Music Festival's July Fourth weekend, and we started dating, and then. Uh, we she she came up to PNG. We started dating. She was living in Florida. 
And so she came up, she got a PNG had an opening and she loved, you know, brand management. And so she said, I'll give it a, give it a try. They loved her, hired her into Folgers. Uh, and so she started working on Folgers. I was still on, I think I'm, I'd moved on to the uh, Pepto, Meta and Prilosec assignment by then. But then, you know, we decided to take a little break. It wasn't the right, <laughs> the right time Twist uh, and in both, both of our lives. So so you know what, let's take a little break. So I ended up going to Seattle uh, and, and spent uh, some time out there on the Costco team. She ended up going with the Walmart team to, uh, to, to, to Arkansas. And then we, and at the time I was thinking probably four years would be the right, right amount of time. So then it comes full circle. I'm working on the CoverGirl brand in Baltimore. She's working on the CoverGirl brand, but for the Walmart team. So it's a bit, bit awkward, but we always re- we remained friends. And then uh, we got an award for the launch of Lash Blast, which was just a hugely successful mascara, discontinuous in that, 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 that category. And we were both on stage together at the kind of brand building awards, as you know. And uh, we, we got the award for CoverGirl's launch together. So we were both on stage. And at that moment, we said, you know, what's, what's happening? Why aren't we together? <laughs> and then if you look at your, your calendar, it's probably four years to the date. And so eight, 18 months later, we were married. Uh, and, and now we you know, have three kids. Wow. Exactly. So beautiful. Came back together at an award ceremony. I love that. Exactly. Well, I want to switch back to your career path. It's such an interesting one on so many levels. And the first thing is you've worked for an incredible array of market leaders in, your, in their categories. P&G, Samsung, Diageo, BET, Viacom and now American Express. Now, I'm sure you didn't go to each company thinking, well, I'm going to join a market leader. <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't intentional. But I want to know, I want you to reflect a little bit about what you learned from that incredible array of institutions about staying on top, because that's not easy. In many ways, it's easier to get to the top, right, you, than it you, is to stay on the you top. You just gave away the headline. I've learned that it's not easy. Right? So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and really, it's a... Uh, it's a blessing to have so many different looks at different categories because you start to pull, pull together themes that you don't get from the outside. And the, the commonality is that these number one brands, a lot of them built the category. So when it comes to makeup, and you were on cover, girl, when it comes to makeup in the drugstore and not the department store and not your Mary Kay you know, salesperson, CoverGirl invented that, the wall, putting plastic on the wall and putting the, 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 the mascaras in the different sections and eye and face and lip. And, and so they built the category. Um, BT, there was, it built the category of black entertainment television. The, it had a, a founder that had a vision in mind. Smirnoff, number one vodka brand globally. Uh, a, you know, the, it was built on this premise of the best vodka shouldn't just be for the kings. It should be for everyone. So how can I make one that's you know efficient enough for everybody, but that tastes uh, good enough for the kings? And so these marvelous stories. But when you build a category and you're number one, you set the you're the north star. You're the north star, and everyone that wants to compete in that category can just take small pivots. You know, so you can have you know uh, you know custom or kind of you know, more um, handcrafted vodka. That's another pivot off. You can have high-end vodka, but all are pivoting from the core. Same in makeup. You can go high, you can go low, you can go left, you can go right. So everybody splinters. And your job as the, the brand who created the category 
is to remind people why you created it and bring people back to the core. So the category can expand. Great. Everyone needs to share the pie, but your core needs to become even stronger. And the worst thing you can do, and, I, and this is something in common in all those brands, the worst thing is, that you can do is go try to chase the person who just took a piece of you out. Because what you need to do is double down in your core. And so I think that's, that's, that's the, the exciting part for me around working with, um, call it, you know, the brands that, that, that invented the category, uh, because it's, it's doubling down on, on what, you, what you have a right to own. Yeah. So it's this, uh, this category creation and then never getting complacent about that. If you were to think about your experience at those companies and you were to write a book about being number one and staying number one, what would a few of those chapters be? Just headlines. Principle one is rediscover yourself because the story was at the beginning, typically. And this fits with, with, with brand purposes, but rediscover yourself. What made, what made you strong to begin with? The second, that would be one chapter. The, se- the second chapter would be when we're, you know, follow the spikes. If you look at a, a line graph of your top line sales over 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, where were the spikes? It was, there was something going on there that was special. And if you can tie together what was happening at the beginning, what was happening during those spikes, that is probably your 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 powerful core, right? And I think that's what that's what you double down on. And so I think the spikes, the beginning, but you can't just look at what you've done in the past. You have to take an eye to the future and figure out how can you create those spikes based on changes that you see coming proactively. If you could have seen what created, if you could have seen what created those spikes and and how it tied to culture and other dynamics before you went into the spike, you know, in history, how do you start to see the ones that are coming up and then go into them with that knowledge on how to leverage them for brand growth? So it's just getting a little keener and trying to get that foresight um, to, to mimic what you've done in hindsight. It's a good lesson. Also, we're both, we're both big advocate or fans of leadership. I know, I know that of you and myself as well. You could apply that lesson to people too. You know, yes. where do you come from? What's your core? When have, when have you been at your best in life? What is it about when you're at your best? And how can you keep kind of finding ways to be at your best in different situations, uh, scenes, and different phases of your life? I mean, I think that's a really great thing to do as a human being. Chart when you're, when you're at your best. That's, and it's one reason I left P&G. I thought I'm at my best when I'm do- doing certain kinds of work, and I want to do more of that. Mm-hmm. Jim, I think that's another chapter of this book. We're co-writing right now. And if, another part is, so it's, it's your beginning. And, and for, for me, my beginning, um, it, it was always around asking questions. It was always around, uh, my parents had a phrase, and I just talked to my mother yesterday and she repeated it. It was, she was talking to my, her, her granddaughter, my daughter, and she said, remember who you are and also remember whose you are, like what, what household you belong to what what family you come from and and that's very powerful and so for me you know when i'm at my best i'm getting grounded in in where i came from and who i am but what i'm connected to and in those times i've been my best i've been i've been the most myself uh, at the times i've been my best and so i think that's those are those spots i try to you know latch on to what would you say is the key to success for today's cmo 
If you said data, you wouldn't be the only one. At Deloitte, however, we believe data is only half of the equation. The other half? Story. Because data is the language of business, but story is the language of humans. And we believe the most successful CMOs know how to harness the power of both data and story. To learn more about Deloitte's CMO program and how we can help today's CMOs succeed, visit cmo.deloitte.com. I want to talk about one other area of your career, which I think is really interesting. I'm going to go back to P&G here. You were in a leading role in two of the most incredible blockbuster product launches in P&G's history. Crest White Strips, which massively invented a category, and Prilosec, which was an amazing drug for so many GI issues. And that was an incredible, incredibly big launch. So we all know that most product launches fail and most new brands fail. But you were part of two incredible ones that helped shape P&G, frankly. And I was, I was an early CMO and White Strips was... Mm-hmm red hot and and the growth numbers were mind-boggling so i'd like you to reflect on that a little bit vince about what was it about those two launches that made them so incredible so category dominating yeah i think you know if uh, one the people i have to start with the people and the the because the passion that the group of the team had around white strips and Prolisec really overcame hurdles because both of those products, you know, were a couple of meetings away from never launching. And if it weren't for the, the person, if it were for not for the perseverance of the product development organization, the marketing organization, the finance organization, the leadership in the company, um, they, they wouldn't have happened. And so I think if you think about white strips, what made it successful, the product had a noticeable difference. You could look at it and 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 get a wow result. But the problem was that it was hard to demonstrate the wow because if you go and show someone else your white teeth, they say, "Well, yeah, your teeth were always white." And you say, "No, no, no, but they were they were not as white before." Yeah, sure they weren't. Uh, and I can I can get the same results from whitening toothpaste. So I went into uh, Paul Alexander's office. And Paul worked in what we used to call copy service, as as you know in your group, sort of an internal and, consulting group. Yes, and 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 Paul was a friend and mentor, and so I said, "Hey, Paul, I'm on, I'm on White Strips, and we are, you know, it's a fantastic product, but we're trying to get it to meet the hurdle of, you know, the NPV requirements, and we need to really bring this prop- proposition to life." And I'm thinking more creative, commercial wise, and and. And the first question Paul asked was, does it work? I said, oh, Paul, does it work? I said, I've used it on my upper teeth, but not my lower teeth. I use whitening toothpaste so I can show people the difference. And so I showed Paul the difference. He said, wow. And so we got into the concept. And so he looked at the concept and said, Vince, uh, you say that the product works, you know, works better than whitening toothpaste. I see you have that here. But the wow that I got from just looking at your demonstration isn't anywhere in the concept. I said, oh, yeah, well, well, we say it's better than whitening toothpaste, but he said, you don't show it. You don't show what you have. I said, very good point. So we just, we put in, and he said, by the way, this is not just better than whitening toothpaste. This is wow versus whitening toothpaste. And so um, he, he said, it's probably, 30, you know, 20 times, 10 times. And so we changed the concept to put in 10 times better than whitening toothpaste. Um, now, and then we show the before and after demo. 
here's whitening toothpaste, and then here's Crest White Strips. So you can show the difference versus toothpaste visually. Uh, and believe it or not, at the time, we were testing black and white concepts, Jim, and, and we, you know, we were breaking the mold with bases. Actually, no, we're going to put in color pictures, but we, you know, said, "Hey, why not?" Uh, and so we put those in, and it changed everything. the The, the purchase intent stayed exact. We we raised the price from I think twenty dollars to forty four dollars, but the purchase intent stayed exactly the same with the new concept because people knew what they were getting. Um, and it was a bit controversial because, of course, we have the number one. Crest toothpaste brand sitting with Diane Dietz right down the, in the corner office mm-hmm. for me. And so it was a bit of a discussion, debate, slash fight of what do you mean you work better than whitening toothpaste? That's a huge business that you're, you're, you're talking about. So we had to um, make a choice, either like let's let this proposition show and breathe for what it is. And yes, we have the best whitening toothpaste. We can do both. We can, there is a both and. And that was the approach. And and, and, and what happened is that it actually lifted both ships. White Strips was an amazing success, but the Crest brand got a halo from all of the beauty and whitening equity. So the Crest brand grew too. So it was a, it was a, a great you know, lesson in risk-taking, take, risk um, but big payout. So many lessons in that, Vince. I mean, showing a picture of how you're different mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and not- Quantifying not it. Being, and not, yeah, and, and not being worried about- obsoleting yourself, you know? And, yes. and what happened is that you made the brand more modern. You made the brand more uh, attractive to more people. And so the whole brand grew. So there, there's just so many lessons in that. And that, that is an amazing, as we were talking earlier, a high point in the long life of Crest and helped accelerate that brand to a, to a new level. What about Prilosec? What was it about that one that was so powerful? And, and Prilosec was just, one, it was already an amazing product from an efficacy standpoint, but it also had amazing efficacy already too. The the purple pill was already RX and people knew about the purple pill and the consumers knew about the efficacy. Our biggest problem was that was the RX product. That wasn't the OTC product. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and Joe Arcuri was really, you know, the, the me- leading this effort for years and kind of bringing it over the counter and the proposition. And, and one thing that uh, we made sure we did was tell people right up front, back to the overt shelf evidence. That's the word that we were using. And I still use it now, even though everything's not on the shelf. It's a lot, a lot is digital, but mm-hmm. shelf evidency, not self evidency, but shelf evidency. <laughs> so it's sitting on the shelf and you can see what it's about. So it's Prilosec OTC, make the OTC really big. Um, and then it was a matter of, we needed to go, really big, really fast. So Joe's uh, statement was go big or go home. And so we took those marching orders and it was a matter of bringing it to life in in store. So how do we work with the retailers to handle the big demand for this product and make sure no one could miss that it was, that was OTC now. So the mantra was paint the store purple. And usually in marketing, you're thinking about your, your design or the, the, the video or, or, you know, digital storytelling, but this was as simple as paint the store purple. Don't let anyone, you were, you, we had floor graphics. We had, you know, purple hanging from the ceiling. It was, don't let anyone miss that Prilosec is now OTC. And so you take all of the purple pill leverage that was developed. And then by just creating that, 
that 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 environment in store, you got a chance to borrow from all of that. So that was it was a lot a lot of just blocking and tackling uh, to make that one to make that one right. But again, the lesson is you you went to the what's been done before in the brand, right? They established the purple pill. You had a very simple mantra. Everyone could understand it. Yes. It would it would be meaningful to consumers. You didn't overcomplicate it. You know, and so so another fundamental lesson, you know, keep it simple, keep it dramatic, respect the heritage of where the brand has come from, and get everyone rowing the same direction with it. So Vince, we're telling some great brand stories here. And I wanna for our listeners, the ANA is the biggest trade association in marketing and advertising in the world. And every October they have a three-day meeting where they basically have top brand leaders from the top brands in the world or the startup brands tell their stories and share their cases. So it's very rich with learning. And it's always interesting for me to dive into that once a year and pull the themes out. Sort of what's trending? What are people talking about? And so I I did stream it last week for three days. uh, And I listened to a lot of stories and a lot of cases, probably 30 or so. And I heard four really dominant themes. And two of them are sort of in what we do and two of them were in how we do it. And the two dominant themes in what we do was certainly brand purpose. Mm. And, and it was ever more compelling how people were bringing their purpose to life, activating it, getting everyone behind it, and seeing incredible results. You know, probably the most powerful story was CVS, who's since stopping selling tobaccos added $100 billion to their top line. So just, and, then, and the second theme was in social action. So many brands... You know, getting off the sidelines, finding Mm -hmm. their voice and acting on it. So purpose and social action in the what to do and the how to do it, a lot of stories about empathy Mm -hmm. and and empathy for each other as colleagues, empathy for our customer, empathy for our partners, you know, what that looks like coming, you know, in in reality, what that looks like, how do you coach that? How do you Mm -hmm. reward that? And then the other kind of theme and how to do it was agility and creativity. People are moving so fast, trying new things. We've been talking about agile work systems for a long time. The irony is during this crisis, they are really starting to happen. Yes. So this is a very kind of maybe tough question to answer off the fly. But as you think about your role at American Express, you know, we're going to talk about that now for for a little while. You know, how do you see those themes or any of those themes coming to life in what you're trying to do with this brand, with your team, purpose, social, social action, empathy, agility. You know, so let's just get into your role at American Express by just kind of reflecting on those dominant themes from the ANA and how they may be coming or what you're trying to do at Amex to bring some of those to life. Well, I'll step back and talk. You, you started, Jim, and you saw my face light up on purpose <laughs> uh, because that's something that we've talked about a lot. And I was, you know, my introduction to purpose was in in, in kind of your uh, influence at, at P and G, and I think that's where our, the the brands need to need to start. It's kind of understanding uh, that core purpose, and and interestingly, when when we first were introduced the perp- to purpose at P and G, Bob McDonald. This is at least when I it rang for me. Bob McDonald was talking about purpose, and he mentioned the book Purpose Driven Life. And the book, and I, I had the and book. And he was a I, senior leader at that time. He was, yeah, he was he a was, senior leader. Yeah. And so he was on stage and talking, and I'd already had Purpose Driven Life. I had read the book from a, you know, from a 
kind of lifestyle and religion standpoint as I study those. And so the first page of the book, the first couple of words go, it's not about you. And, and, and that's the how the purpose-driven life starts. And if you think about brand purpose, you have to start there. And when we've been thinking about brand purpose for so long, I mean, we've been thinking about brands for so long. And when we think about brands, we're taught to think it's all about the brand. It's all about the brand. It's all about the brand. We're trained on that growing up as brand brand management. And this thing called purpose comes and it says, it's not about you. <laughs> it's what do you do? What good do you contribute to society? And that's just an interesting flip. And I think when you start there, it's a very powerful place. And so um, thinking about why you exist and starting there, it unlocks so many different things. And it goes back to what we were talking about before on the brand's core. And if you think about American Express and and its backing of customers, it's unsurpassed when it comes to its level of service um, and trust and security and um, Warren, Warren, people have said interesting things about the the brand, what makes American Express different. And, and it's that the, the customer base, it is such a um, demanding, aspirational, but very high, highly demanding customer base because they have such big goals they're shooting for, things they want to achieve, um, challenges they face. They need the most backing because they're doing so much pushing uh, to move forward. And so um, that that backing is the American Express brand special uh, special sauce. So embracing that and starting from there, you ask yourself, what do you do in times of uh, you know COVID? Well, you go back to backing, backing our customers, backing our colleagues. You go back to what's happened with um, the movement in Black Lives Matter. You go back to backing, backing all of our customers, doubling down on those small businesses that are black owned as well to make sure that they're supported during this time, those customers that we have um, that have been impacted. So when you have your, your, your core, that core right, it allows you to act with more agility and speed. You don't have to, to think as fast because you know who you are and where you come from back to the other conversation that we had before. And so when you know who you are and where you've come from and what you mean to your customers, you can act faster because you, you don't have to go and think about that part. You can say, how do you manifest it? How do you act on it? What actions do you take? And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm proud to be at a company where the, the leader uh, can act with such agility to kind of focus um, the company. And the first thing that, that Steve said was, you know, backing our colleagues, uh, 60,000 plus around the world and making sure they're safe and in place that we can keep, that we can continue to the unmatched service and then backing our customers um, that are out there and making sure that um, they can depend on us during these times. There was a hashtag trending last week and trending before that hashtag action, not ads. And, and you've certainly been behaving that way at Amex. You know, what I see you do, I'm a customer. I see how you're reaching out. I'm a small business. I see how you're reaching out to me that way. I see what you're doing for black owned businesses. You just made a major, you know, commitment in September of this year. So, uh, so well done. And I'm sure it will continue. And I think it's, it's, it's not ads, it's action. And the other one is it's, it's always, it's, it's, I was trying to throw in another A it's, it's not just in the moment, but what do you start now during these shifts or elevate now during these shifts? But then 
you you have a vision for them continuing into the future and and, and evolving. Um, it's a it's a statement that goes when you when you um, when you stay ready, you don't have to get ready, right? So when you have the relationships, you don't have to go build a relationship. So how do you constantly improve on those relationships that you have with your customers as a brand? Um, when you stay ready, you don't have to go rush to get ready when something happens. Yeah. So you're you're such a legendary brand, and you've been acting on your purpose you know, for a long time. And obviously those things shift with the times and leaders and so on. What are your challenges now at Amex in bringing your brand purpose to life? Is it all 60,000 people understanding it and bringing it to life in their own personality? Is it, is it measurement? Is it agility? I mean, what do you see Vince as sort of the, the major challenge you're facing in keeping your purpose vital and making a difference with the people you serve? Yeah, I think Jim, it's always when you're a big global brand it's the answer is always all of the above as far as checking off the list of potential um challenges but really it's it's staying uh it's staying um i'd say it's keeping it simple right it's it's keeping it simple in all of the the um environment that on all the choices that are out there how do you really simplify it for the customer of what your what your value proposition is? And it goes back to this backing uh, and the backing because we provide that service and trust and responsibility. Um, and then it's making that connection with what they want to do now because the, the, the world's been turned upside down as far as travel and going out to eat, but being with them to... To, to be agile with them as their dining needs change, as, as their travel needs change. How are you always in the moment? And so I say as a brand that any brand that's trying to connect with customers on such a, you know, on a, in an intimate way, um, you have to always be in the moment with them. And I think keeping things in the moment is, is just key. Where, where, are they, where, where are they thinking right now? So Vince, you've been at American Express now for about 15 months. So half of that time pre-COVID, sort of half of that time post-COVID. And your title is SVP of Global Brand, Global Brand Strategy and Marketing Operations. It can't be easy these days to be in a global role. And you talked about how you're trying to recreate serendipity with your people. So how, are you, how has your job changed? How are you doing global strategy and operations in a work-from-home, no-travel world? I mean, how are you making that work for yourself, your team, your company? You know, a couple of things have been easier. I'll start with kind of the how. A couple of things have been easier. As you go into a new role, it's impossible to be everywhere at the same time. But when you can look at um, a video screen and see people from different parts of the world uh, and you're engaging on a topic, it, 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 it's, it would have been easier, easier to do a, you know, a year ago, but now it's just more accepted. It's more the thing to do. It's your go-to. And it's just really made um, for fast decision-making. Uh, and you can reach out to people and get input you know, really, really quickly. Um, and I think the, going back to our point before on the core of your brand, I think the, the fact that you have, you can have a common core that's so consistent. So this backing our customers, uh, the, that with that consistency, that's relevant in all the different markets. So it's just a matter of how do you bring that to life in the market, but 
you get really uh, crystallized around that core. And that's where Elizabeth, uh, the CMO of Amex, has done such a great job in the last couple of years is getting that global brand strategy tight around this kind of backing of our customers. You were chief brand officer at BET before joining Amex. So what compelled you to take this role? Was it the purpose? Was it, what, what was it? BT was a, you know, was, I had been a long time fan. I was, I was attached to the brand because I grew up listening to, you know, videos on, on BT. And then when I started in corporate America, I engaged with them on a different level because I was, I had brands that wanted to combine with, you know, activities that BET was uh, involved in, whether it's the BET Awards or other activations. And so it's always been a close relationship with the people there. And so uh, with that attachment, when um, I was asked to go over to the chief brand officer role, it was it was a time where, you know, this this is a, a brand that I really love and it's at a important um kind of inflection point of kind of where is it going to go in the future? And uh, and that's why I went over to really look at how do you get clear on what the brand is and why it exists. And having going into a brand that's not a package that goes on the shelf was also an interesting opportunity because I hadn't, I'd been on brands that were either in a bottle or some type of package, they went on the shelf and this was a media brand. And so it's a lifestyle brand, it's different. And and I have an attachment to it. So. Uh, the what I quickly learned there is that what what differentiates BT is that there's a there's a lot of media coming now with telling black stories and the storytelling is everywhere, but when it comes to a home for black entertainment, on home uh, to for that engagement, that's still BT, and that's what separates um, black storytelling from coming back home to for 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 black engagement and black entertainment. And so it's just a really powerful brand, powerful um, staff and, 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 and people there. So what was it about Amex and the opportunity that drew you here? You know, the Amex is such a, a brand with such a great history of um, storytelling. And it's also what makes it distinct is that it's a it's not a just a financial brand. It's a part of people's lives. It's a lifestyle brand. Mm-hmm. And they really like a lot of number one brands. They've invented certain aspects uh, that now are commonplace in the category, but they started with innovation uh, from, from MX. And so what I've always been attracted to is innovation, storytelling, strong brand core, global. Uh, and it had all of those plus an opportunity to um, again, big, big, big brand in a changing environment, uh, and needing to stay, stay relevant and stay in the moment. So, just a huge, um, so there's a huge, huge opportunity. And, and the and the leadership. When you think about what makes American Express different, and it's the the leadership that you uh, experience and that you you get to grow uh, in this culture. Um, P&G is very similar. Uh, P&G, I'd say, has the, the core of this brand management is kind of the core rod. And American Express, it's, it's pure leadership. It's just this authentic you know, honing of leadership skills in many different roles, not, a, not just the functional expertise, but leadership 
and a changing career in many different roles, but that leadership was a core rod. And the other one is backing, but in a different way, not backing the customers, but backing the colleagues, the employees at American Express. We call them colleagues, our colleagues, fellow colleagues. And the company uh, has backed them as well as backing the customers, but really having the colleagues' backs over the years is another um, kind of uh, central theme to the, to the Amex brand. And that's our employer brand or our colleague brand. It's all about this leadership and, this, and, and the backing that, and support that you get as you lead. One last question, Vince, before going into the, what's going to be a really fun lightning round. Give our leader, our listeners a little bit of a sense of, you know, pull the curtain back on what sort of a day in the life of Vince look like. I mean, what are the priorities you're working? Kind of what is, what are you really driving? So what do you wake up in the morning and think about what you want to make progress on that day? Yeah, yeah I think the, it ranges from the big picture to the, to the, to the small frame, right? So the, the big picture would be always clarifying, always peeling back, peeling back everything that doesn't, is not necessary to simplify and clarify the core of the, of the brand and the core pillars that will deliver that brand promise and that brand purpose. And there's power and focus because while everyone knows how things get done, they can do it in, 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 in different ways, but there's a, there's a lot of leverage and focus if you can understand what the main drivers of the brand are and getting everyone throughout the enterprise focused on those drivers. That is when all the energy is just more focused. So you just get so much more leverage. So that's the big picture. And then, and then it goes down to, well, how are we enabling the function and how are we making sure the marketing and the processes are right. So that's the the work I'm doing here is brand enablement, brand governance, our in-house agencies. How do we get um, more fluid in our processes to move faster, be more agile, um, and be in this service role for the enterprise? Over you know three thousand marketers here. How do you bring them together as for as a community? Um, what type of content um, and curriculum and, and how you're going to build out that, that sense of community, even in a virtual environment. So it's, um, the, it ranges from the big picture to the small, but it's never a dull day. So if there's one capability that you think is a real special sauce at Amex, what is it? And what's one capability that you're working to make stronger? I'd say that, that anal- analytics is a really strong capability um, to really understand deeply what's happening in the market, what's happening with our customers, um, and then being sensitive to that and reacting to that um, and being always on with that. And when you think about uh, what all of brand management is trying to do is connect that um marketing with business results. And so I think that analytics is a, and tying the analytics with the marketing is a, is a core strength that's always on. That's why we've, we're, we're, we're looking to, to, to partner with companies that are helping us to get sharper on those analytics. Um, what I'd love to see in, um, is building this powerful community of, of marketers. So we have marketers that, and, and it's different when you work at a, a house of brands a lot of people get experience running the entire brand uh, because there's a lot of brands to go around. In a brand house, 
you have one mega brand, there's different pieces that the marketers work on of that brand. And so it's really building holistic appreciation and holistic connecting the business to the brand and building a community where people feel like a community of, 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 of marketers within, uh, within MX that are coming together, uh, doing different things, but all with a sense of community. Uh, under uh, kind of all under uh, Elizabeth's leadership, so I think that's the the piece that we can we can work on the most is just building that that cohesiveness within the 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 marketers out there, um, and then leveraging that capability. Okay, Vince, let's jump into this lightning round, which is going to be good fun because I know you, and this is going to be just fun to go through. All right. So listen, what was the name of your jazz band in college at Dillard University? What was the name? Dillard Blue Devil Jazz Band. <laughs> Pretty good. So what did you play? Alto saxophone. Still at it? Yes. Yeah, so I was, but I was more of your marching band in high school. And then I got to New Orleans and because I was in, in North Louisiana, but I got to New Orleans and people would just play from the heart, not know she like, you know, and just kind of, and I had to learn that improvisation. Uh, but it was, uh, it was, uh, I was still using sheet music even when I left, but I, I got an appreciation for New Orleans jazz. So what did you learn from jazz that helps you in life? Is it the improvisation? Different people coming together. So you need, you need the percussion. You need the, the woodwinds, you need the horns for the sound, but it's the magic of, Everyone coming together, but they're still doing their individual solos. Take it away, trumpet. Take it away, saxophone. But you're still playing from the same song, but you let everyone be their best at the same time. There's not many examples better than jazz of that. And that's what we need in, 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 in corporations, especially marketing. You were, a, you were a young hotshot when you came into marketing, right? You were an ad, you were an ad age 40 under 40. You became a marketing director at P&G before 30, which is incredible. What accomplishment now, Vince, or recognition in our industry would be the most significant for you now as you look forward? Yeah, look, you know, I've always, Jim, wanted to, I thought about the impact more than my, more than the image. It's just, I just love challenges. So, uh, and a lot of the things that people look back on now and they see as, you know, big or successes, like you mentioned, white strips. White strips, white strips could have not happened. It wasn't that I I was put on white strips or I chose to go to white strips because it was going to be this big thing. I went to it when it wasn't a big thing and it, it could have not launched. Um, the same with Prolisec. So I look for challenges. I look for ways to not just make a brand launch, but ways to make history. And I, and I start every, go into every assignment looking for how do you go into this this job looking to make history and reinvent what and, and reinvent and reconnect and reinvigorate the brand and so uh and that if there was a reinvigoration of brand award i want to i want to i want to be up for it got it last, last two questions who would you like to hear on the cmo podcast you know i would love to hear jay-z talk about his brand and which is so powerful uh, of, of of a story, and uh, I and, and 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 talk about his purpose and and truth mm-hmm. and and kind of uh, that would just be interesting because it's none it would be it would be non traditional, <laughs> but that that would be uh, exciting. Um, and then I think some of the 
the new startup companies that are uh, in the um, kind of in the, the the CPG space, in the fashion space, because when you when you're starting a brand now, so a brand that's just starting in the last couple of years, it's a completely different environment. Uh, and, 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 and what are they thinking about now from a brand launching a brand into this environment, um, and, and how to become distinct. So those are always fun stories of looking at the kind of the new and new and interesting. Vince, I will give you the last word. Any question for me before we sign off? Jim, if you, if you look back at, uh, at your, your history and the, the thing that you're most proud of, I'd say after PNG. Because I know a lot of the things that with PNG, but things that you've uh, managed to influence, be a part of since PNG, what would you say is a kind of a powerful one? Well, Vince, you said it several times in our hour together here. It's the people. And if I look back at the 12 years since I left PNG, you know, I left there to help uh, this field of purpose become more firmly established in our industry to make it uh, a norm and not a fad and, and to work on the business case for it and the stories behind it and the methodologies behind it. And, uh, and I've had the just great pleasure and joy and honor of working with so many leaders on their purpose for their organizations and their companies, companies big and small. And now having done that with 200 or so organizations in 12 years and to see them, just get better, be more engaged, be more excited, be more successful, to be happier, to feel better about their career and their company and their purpose in life. There's just nothing better. And to me, the, it just it, as you said, to me, the ultimate acknowledgement or recognition or satisfaction is, is getting a note from someone about the difference that I and my team has made in their life. So uh, that's why I write books. That's why I do this podcast. It's why I'm still active because I think it's very exciting and there's nothing better to see someone, you know, uh, elevate, bring their purpose to life and, uh, and see the impact of it. And, and that's why I'm glad you're doing what you're doing and I want you to keep it up. <laughs> I intend to. I intend <laughs> yes. to. Hey, it's been great, Vince. All right. Thanks a lot, Jim. That was my conversation with Vince Hudson. There was a lot to learn from this one, but the lesson that stood out for me was his thoughts about how to launch a product or brand with huge impact. He was part of many, many blockbuster product launches, and the way he talked about why they were successful was a great lesson for everyone. I also loved how he's worked at so many different brands, and he goes into each assignment with a tremendous amount of curiosity, and that's one reason that makes Vince such a great leader. That's it for this episode of the CMO Podcast. If you found this helpful and entertaining, I would be so grateful if you could share our show with your friends. And I would be super happy if you subscribed so you can be updated as we publish new episodes. And if you really want to help, leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The CMO Podcast is a Gallery Media Group original production.